Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Forbes India Cover Story podcast, a joint effort by Forbes India and Indicast, where we talk with the author of the cover story of the fortnight. I'm Abhishek, and joining me over the phone from Mumbai is Shishir Prasad, the deputy editor of Forbes India, and uh, from Bangalore or Bangaluru, as you would like to pronounce it, we have with us Rohin Dharmakumar, the assistant editor. Thanks both of you for joining me. Before getting into this cover story that uh, you have sculpted, and it's a pretty exhaustive one, congratulations to you and your team for celebrating the Forbes in their first birthday, not very long ago. Thank you so much. The anniversary issue, in fact, incidentally, was unveiled by Amir Khan, wasn't it, Shishir? And you were part of it because you were part of the Bombay team. Seems like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> if you could take us through very quickly the, the one-year journey, and also how was it, the event itself? It's been a fantastic journey. It's nice mm-hmm. to feel a part of a product, a magazine that, that sort of carved its niche in the market. So it really feels good to you know complete a year and essentially be the talking point in some way. And the anniversary issue itself was very special. Indrajit Gupta, the editor, and Charles Assisi, the executive editor, spoke very passionately about it in our first podcast, where you asked 25 minds from different domains of literature, science, philosophy, to answer one question, that is, what is the one idea on your mind that you think can change the world? Uh, how was the response? I particularly liked uh, an essay by Mridhan Kasur, the neurologist. How has the response been now that it's about 20 days after the launch of that issue? Maybe the best received issue now because it's a very reader-friendly issue in that sense. It does actually hardcore content and the design. We broke the form and so it works. There's something in it for everyone actually. So. Ah. Well, without uh, wasting any more time or without any delay rather, let's get into this fortnight's cover story, which is far more time-sensitive than the previous one, especially when you're talking about the telecom industry in India, which is changing almost by the day. And in fact, some might argue almost by the minute. Rohan, can you tell us a little bit more about the cover story? What was the brief that uh, you guys had discussed amongst yourself? Sure, Abhishek. I think our brief, as for most of the stories, is always going to analyze something that's happening in a sector or with a particular company and try to present the outcome of that to our readers. Mm-hmm. It was the same with telecom, and we had to make sense of the you know ball-a-minute coverage which was happening on 3G auctions, and then like all those vague predictions about once 3G comes in, this is what's going to happen, and we see all these kinds of interesting services. Mm-hmm. And to kind of top it all off, you have you know, unrestricted competition, so, you know, our food's going down, so the sector is dead. So how do you kind of assimilate all of this and present it in a, you know, coherent fashion to our readers? That, mm. I think, was our brief. In some ways, we were a bit fortunate because about two, three months back, we had done a special report on 3G auctions, so the impending 3G auctions. We had already analyzed the issue a little bit at that time. Uh, while everybody was talking about how much everybody was bidding, for us, it presented an opportunity to actually look deeper into the sector itself and uh, see if what does it really mean. That was the question that we were trying to answer. Right, and uh, continuing from not only the text, but Forbes India has also had the tradition of uh, having some creative cover illustrations, uh, whether it was, I very vividly recall, Lakshmi Mittal staring at us intently in the inaugural issue or yeah. the picture of the large gumboots with oil spilling around them with the headline Rebooting Reliance and many, many more. We discussed that with Indrajit in the first podcast. But Shishir, would you help us with how the cover illustration of your cover story looks like? Well, you know, we were trying to convey an image of uh, something which was taking a hammering, really. And this was a universal thing that both Rowan and I both picked up. And we picked it up pretty much independently mm-hmm. and we verified it, which is that the next 18 to 24 months period would be a tough one for these guys 
and uh, the more and more you spoke to them, you sense a slight downbeat feeling around the players. I mean, normally, that's not associated. In typically, when you know there's an auction win, they celebrate it a lot, and you know players will come out and give you huge quotes and all that. This wasn't happening. Based on that, I think our design guys picked it up. We must give credit to actually a gentleman who edits our live section, which is Peter Griffin. Mm-hmm. He was the first guy I think who came up with this the tombstone idea. It was actually initially supposed to be a yeah, it's supposed to be a tombstone, just a tombstone, mm-hmm. saying that you know telecom industry, you know R.I.P. that kind of stuff. Right. And from there it sort of evolved to the casket really being lowered inside. So. Right. So just to give our listeners uh, a brief overview of the cover story, if they haven't picked it up yet, uh, the headline at the bottom reads the end. Telecom business as we knew it is dead. And the picture is that of, a, as you mentioned, there is a coffin and there are a few flowers strewn over it. There is mud lying beside it, which is ready to be buried. Some might argue that the headline is a little too dramatic. But Rohin, when we were talking last time, you, you stood very passionately and said, no, it's not as much. Can you help us with it? Why do you think the headline might not be too dramatic and the situation is slightly dicey for the telecom operators? Sure, Abhishek. I think first we need to understand that covers by design are meant to appeal to our visual senses, right? So they must kind of put across an idea very sharply. It cannot be text heavy. Mm-hmm. Therefore, this cover does that job very well. And the other point is, of course, it's much more nuanced, right? We're not seeing the telecom industry is dead. We're seeing the telecom industry's existing way of doing business, which is selling more and more minutes at cheaper and cheaper prices, mm-hmm. is dead. So I, I think taking the two of them together, I think it's a very well-designed cost. And I'm particularly happy with it. And I guess you continue that sentiment, the two of you, with uh, starting the article by using the popular lyrics of an unusually cult song, a rap song by R.E.M., uh, would any one of you two want to quote the lines, if you remember them at the moment that you started this article uh, with? A tournament of lies, offer me solutions, offer me alternatives, and I decline. And the end of the world has been it, and I feel fine. So, you know, R.E.M. is one of my favorite bands. When you're looking for inspiration, you usually turn to either a dead philosopher or an aging rock, rock band. Right. And most, mostly the lines are wittier with the rock band guys, so oh, yes. you picked you pick it up from them. You bet. You know, in fact, it reminds me of another Led Zeppelin quote, especially after reading about the fact that there were 183 rounds of intense bidding over 34 days where they forked out some 67,710 crore rupees uh, mm. as against the original expectation of 35,000 crores. Bear with me while I quote another rock band, that is Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. And the lines are, there's a lady, in this case the telecom operators of course. Right. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold and she's buying a stairway to heaven. When she gets there, she knows if the stores are all closed, with a word, she can get what she came for. (laughs) But unlike the lady who might get what she wants, the telecom operators are buying the so-called stairway by paying those insane amounts. Now my question is, how do you think this additional spectrum for which they've paid out of their skins will be used. What are its applications? Now, obviously, only the operators can say with certainty how each one is going to put it to use. But what we put together through various conversations with experts and consultants is that two-thirds of the spectrum, 3D spectrum that you know, the big guys are getting will be put to what we call is voice relief. Mm-hmm. Now, voice relief is nothing but using that spectrum, deploying it to help your high-end subscribers actually make calls which are clearer and which don't drop as often in the congested circles and metros. The remaining obviously will be put to, you know, either as a, you know, USB toggle or as data services on your smartphone, etc. 
here must qualify this by saying that this is what we are talking about for the next few years, maybe the next, as she said, 18 to 24 months. Thereafter, you will see the split changing as like, you know, more and more of that spectrum will possibly be freed up for data. So you're talking about the basic necessities here. So 3G is still probably a luxury to have here. We are talking about, in your words, voice relief. That is so that our clogged up systems allow us to talk more rather than, you know, the calls getting dropped at the peak times in the day. Clogged up systems if you're with one of the older or the bigger operators. Right. However, if you're one of the newer operators, their networks are not clogged up yet. Right. And in fact, uh, certain forecasts are saying that the Indian mobile penetration by... 2014 will be 80%. So perhaps they are hedging their bets and probably paying as much as possible at the moment and holding on to whatever spectrum that is being uh, meted out to them by the government. Yeah, it, you can say that because as the story also would explain, I mean, the spectrum is usually allocated in different frequency bands. Mm -hmm. And so the earlier guys have got frequency in, in the older bands. So we'll just use the term old stock and new stock. Mm -hmm. So the old stock stuff, you can't get anymore because there are very little room for maneuver there and very little free stuff coming out of that. Right. So since you can't get your hands onto that, they've had to pay the amount to get stuff out of the new stock, basically. Right. Yeah. When we talk about the amount of money that is being spent, uh, if you compare that, just to give a perspective, the 2G auctions had fetched $367 million and this one fetched $15 billion. Now the closest drama as big as this, if I can draw an analogy with the American market, was when Google had its IPO back in 2001, not even the investment bankers knew that what the optimal stock price was at which it should bid. Uh, and here we are talking about an entire industry, the telecom network operators. Uh, don't you mm -hmm. think it's slightly uh, an interesting, if not a dangerous proposition, where not even the regulators like TRAI know how big the appetite is of the players in the industry? Well, some would argue that that's why you use an option for it. Because, <laughs> I mean, the theory would tell you that, of course, theory may not always be born out, but that's what economic theory tells you that since there is very little way of knowing what different operators know about you know consumers mm -hmm. an auction allows that private information to flow into prices and so therefore you can discover the price and say okay this is what it is worth but you know those are idealized conditions and uh, that's what our story also says at a point that perhaps not the ideal way in which to probably auction it off so you know maybe the spectrum was scarce you couldn't get any stuff from old stock so there was a scarcity premium attached so the maybe because of that the prices have gone up and uh, without the operator having a very clear visibility, I found very difficult to get from any of the operators that I spoke to mm -hmm. a clear case on how they're going to make money off pure 3G service. I would tend to agree with Shishir on that part completely. And the reason for that is it goes back to one of the earlier answers we mentioned, right? Which is really that a bulk of this 3G spectrum will be put to voice relief. Now, when you say voice relief, you're using that spectrum to essentially help your existing subscribers speak in not so much a congested manner. You can't charge more for that, right? You and I, let's say, we're speaking on an Airtel or a Vodafone network and paying a certain amount of money. Just because the calls don't drop as often or they're slightly more clearer, are you going to pay them any more? Yeah. In most cases, no, right? Therefore, it's not delta revenue on voice relief, but it is just protecting revenue which could have been lost to somebody else. Now, that's an opportunity cost in which operators clearly feel that it's a significant opportunity cost, but it's yet not new revenue. So the new revenue is still going to be a minority at least for the next couple of years. 
So as I see it, uh, as a consumer of these services, there are two people who are benefiting from this, two parties. One is the consumer himself because, you know, so many players, there are 15-odd players competing, they are giving him one-second billing options. And then there is the, the government who, in this case, have uh, got a good amount of money for the spectrum that has been auctioned. But conventional wisdom tells us that if consumers are happy, then the stock prices of the companies who keep the consumers happy should also be high. But isn't it ironic that it's almost inversely proportional at the moment? And uh, if I ask any of my friends, they do not hold any stocks in telecom. And I think that sentiment is there in your article as well. You're right. That's a very logical way of looking at the whole thing. That if you know, consumers are happy, they're probably paying the right price for your product and therefore that flows back into your profits and therefore your stock price. But in this case, I think, you know, every once in a while the market becomes unstable. And so probably only one side of the equation is actually coming out, which is the consumer side right now. Mm -hmm. It does happen, you know. There is the example of aviation, right? We've flown on very cheap air tickets, but the company that actually started the lowest fare airlines, I mean, like Air Deccan, mm. or was sold off, actually. So were sold off. They couldn't sustain it. So consumers won for a very long time. We would argue that, you know, maybe some sanity might return after this period of stabilization is over. You use uh, two words there, interesting one, sustainability and sanity. Rohan, if, you, if I could get a couple of words from you on that. Do you think there are too many players at the moment, 15? For instance, in the UK, there are five. And even they are having a hard time and we are comparing it with, an, with a developed economy. So 15, too many or too few or is it just fine? In telecom, in India today, thing is when you ask a question, the answer that you get depends on who's answering. <laughs> so if you were to ask this question to uh, the operators, they'd certainly say definitely it's far too many. Now, if you were to ask the same question to regulators, they'd probably say no. At least <laughs> that's what we see from their uh, recommendations. Okay. Uh, now, if you ask the journalist, which is us, in our case, I think I'd also be personally you know, inclined to say there's too, many, there's too much competition. What is the right number? It is probably going to be somewhere in the region of maybe five to six, at best seven, operators who can exist sustainably, you know, profitably in the long run. How will we get down from 12 or 15 to five to six to seven? I don't know because some of the most obvious combinations between operators that could have uh, resulted in consolidation have been eliminated by the TRI recommendations. So we'll probably just have to wait and watch and see how we get there. Right, so basically the TRAI doesn't want a, a bigger player to gobble up a smaller one. So they would rather say you know, two medium players getting together. And an acquisition is not, if it doesn't bring you scale, then there is no point in doing it, this is what you mean, I understand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's just put it this way, that, and let us be very clear about it. There are recommendations, so they haven't turned into a law or anything like that, uh -huh. or the final norm, but what we would say that, that there's a very little incentive for large people to merge. I would probably be slightly stronger than Chishir on this, because there's very little incentive. I would probably say the current recommendations disincentivize, <laughs> <laughs> you know, consolidation among bigger players. Right. In fact, if I may comment, that TRA has been guilty of uh, doing this far often, don't you think, where not very long ago it uh, quote-unquote hinted that Indian uh, telecom operators will soon have to have per-second billing as part of their plans. It, it might not have been a recommendation, but they hinted it, and the, the next day you see you have Docomo, MTS, and everyone jumping onto that bandwagon of per-second billing. In fact, quarter-second billing is also there now. So do you think uh, TRAI does that to needle these operators from time to time? You know, one thing we need to understand is if a regulator has a heart, as a concept, TRA recommendations usually are good for consumers or subscribers. Mm -hmm. And many of the recommendations which we are criticizing at some level do kind of make sense 
when you look at the benefits they prevent like you know collusion they prevent like you know two large players merging and you know controlling two large share etc mm-hmm. but i think there is also a, a fine line that you have to walk between like you know keeping the subscribers happy and keeping the competitors or players profitable and sustainable apparently i think in my opinion i don't think we are seeing a balance mm-hmm. in your article you also mentioned that uh, once upon a time the business of these telecom operators was connecting people and then it moved on to manufacturing minutes like for instance we we've learned that mcdonalds is not in the business of hamburgers but in real estate so today if it's not about manufacturing minutes because there are so many of them around where do you see she uh, see this question is for both you and rohin individually where do you see the money coming from with the arpus declining to you know choking levels now the money will at the moment like we as a country are a large country and people have found out uses for a cell phone i mean they will have to talk and uh, so the talk will continue to be cheap and uh, there will be revenues to be made out of it but how much profits will accrue out of plain call that i mean we know the numbers have been coming down sure. operators have been very very resourceful till now mm-hmm. they have outsourced their networks they have uh, you know hybrid off into separate companies and they managed to get those cost benefits out and have managed to keep profitability levels high but if that is not going to work in the future i mean that starts to run its course then obviously the money will be made profits will not be made so much on voice mm-hmm. we're just hoping and that's a clearly a punt on the future you're hoping that because there is the future awaits us it must be profitable it must make money for us so right. some somebody will make expensive video call or somebody will gaming or somebody will buy location based services and you know all the stuff that is promises us and lots of people will do it so there will be plenty of profits i mean i take the hope at the moment right in fact just to carry on from your thread uh, you spoke about the voice services where indians love to talk in fact vodafone ran a campaign where it said you know 20 rupees free talk time will be given on each sim card that you own and i know of a guy who is in bangalore he's a driver he uses an iphone clone uh, which has a dual sim card facility and he has one number for the outgoing that he would throw away the moment the you know the 20 rupees is reached so every time yeah. his 20 rupees is reached he, he throws it away and inserts another one so wonder how the companies would make money from such you know quote unquote jugad solutions that the consumers come up with i don't think this jugad is something that the mobile operators are unaware of if uh-huh. anything i think many of the newer mobile operators are where they are today in terms of subscriber base because of such jugad right. right i mean we again talked about this in the article that now instead of thing that you know i am the service provider or i am the you know mobile operator to a subscriber now you are the primary operator or the secondary operator or the tertiary operator so now i think the fight will be rather than saying like you know this is my subscriber i will not lose him to someone else you have to make sure that this is my subscriber and of the four sims that he or she has with him i want to make sure that my share of his wallet is the most hmm. so how do you do that so no, and if you really look at it i mean you're making something which is clearly a commodity right i mean a minute is a minute it's no better no less worse than you know what let's say abarti makes or reliance makes it's hardly to compare both minutes are the same right and so once you've got that going then you you already invested in capex your towers are all over the place and the minutes are being spewed by the minute actually <laughs> so in which case it's your job to keep the cost of making it down this is what they've done by outsourcing our network and then you keep the cost of sales also down so you keep it completely prepaid you make this this kind of 20 buck offer so that you know you don't have to service and you know invest too much in subscriber retention so you don't care as long as you get the 20 bucks it's 
So that model works simply because you were making minutes. If you move away from that, then the whole whole new world awaits you. <laughs> well, on that note, I guess it's time to wrap up this episode, and hopefully, in the coming year or so, when we have. Uh, another cover story perhaps on the telecom we might have something more cheerful uh, to talk about the industry because at the moment the things are slightly awry at least among the players the consumers are benefiting but the players can do much better thanks a lot rohin and uh, sishir for your time thank you so much thank you abhishek and for all you listeners out there you can get this podcast on the forbes india homepage that's business.in.com again business. in.com and you can also get this on theindicast.com we would love to know uh, your comments on the views of both shishir and rohin of where you think as a consumer or as a reader the telecom industry is going thanks a lot again bye bye bye